With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Nesman Hockey Podcast. James <laughs> and I were, were just... <laughs> We're just talking about, I, I, I surprised him with, uh, uh, I just got a new jersey in the mail off the eBay. And um, oh. and I, I'm getting James' live reaction on this just because it's incredible. Um, aren't 90s jerseys the best? Yes, they really are. People like, have been asking me, best. people have been asking me what I want for Christmas recently. And I'm not asking them to buy me, you know, really expensive jerseys, but I find myself gravitating towards like, t-shirts that have all the 90s logos and stuff on it so i 100 that jersey that you're wearing i want it to be my skin that's how nice it is yeah it's it's incredible oh, like over so for those um listening um it's a probably like a 95 96 uh circus crunch jersey and uh it's got teal and purple and the white jerseys are actually incredible. I just couldn't find one. Um, the the colors just pop. It's Ugh. it's beautiful. Um, and this is their old logo and all sorts of stuff. I'm just a hipster. But if you look over what is my right shoulder, you see the goalie masks from I believe like the '96 season, which includes like the old Anaheim Ducks. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Mighty Ducks, and the Islanders, and it has this teal color. And I'm looking in my closet, and I have the fisherman jersey. I had now I have this one. Um, I have my ducks jersey, and I have a couple ducks jerseys. And I'm like, this this teal color is just ah, it's so good. I love it. It, it that's like the purple, and I just I'm thinking of all those teams from that time period and how ridiculous their jerseys looked, even in the NBA. Like the same color schemes kind of popped up everywhere and it oh man jerseys were just so much better than like the that that um teal pistons jersey like how good was that that jersey yeah like the, the um, hornets the hornets jerseys were so good i think that's the one i'm really thinking about is the is the hornets jersey i mean the it wasn't really wild colors but the orlando magic had cool jerseys um now, like as far as hockey jerseys go, I'll say I think my favorite active jersey might be, and it's probably because of the name, the Orlando Solar Bears. Oh, those ones are awesome! Yeah, I love those, those are those are incredible. Easily, I think the best, the best jersey, active jersey in, in hockey right now. That wasn't like a throwback or some mix-up thing. That's like a hundred percent their, yeah, their jersey. Um, All right, so wait, this this. 
brings me to a question about jerseys, and there's a current one in the NHL that I, I want to know. You know where I'm going with this already? I, I, I think so, but I want to I want to hear the question. How do you? Oh, okay, hold on, because there was a couple things that happened recently that I I could get to that real quick though. I I don't know if you this is what what you were thinking. What do you think about the Ducks jersey that they're wearing this year? Oh, it's cool. I, I, I the purple, right? Yes. Yeah, it's as much as I would like them to use the more retro thing. It's good or good enough, right? It, it brings a lot of that style back. I'm very for it. I, I, I agree. Like a lot of people were dogging on it because it wasn't the original logo. And I, and I fully understand wanting that that jersey back. It should be. However, this one is so clean in its own right. And the color schemes are perfect. And despite it not being the original logo, um, that was at one point, like at least an alternate logo, the front facing uh, duck mask. And even if it was just like for like merchandise or something like that. And I love those jerseys, man. I like, I want Anaheim to ditch the black and, and orange so bad and just, I, even those would be fine with me. Like if they went full time with those. Yes, I think that the Mighty Duck original logo should be the jersey, but the oh, ones you're that right. Yeah, they, yeah. they've used this before. It, like it's an updated version of something. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. It's good. I like. I mean, cool. It's actually it looks like it's more from the cartoon than from the movie. Yeah, right. So I I really like the anniversary ones that they have this year i know it's not popular but i really enjoy it now the one that i know that you're nodding your head to are the uh the, the winter classic jerseys that got leaked oh Very that's strange. not where i thought you were going but let's do, let's do that too okay now now we, i now i know exactly where you're going with this but we can talk about uh this one first um the you saw those jerseys the the leaked winter classics Seattle and Vegas. Yes. So my initial reaction to the Seattle jerseys was perfect. They nailed it. Timeless. It's going to be beautiful on the ice. They could wear it whenever. Perfect. Great job. And then I saw Vegas's jersey and I said, what the hell is that? That was the weakest attempt. What they tried to do was that they tried to go the, oh, Seattle's going the route of an origin story. Yeah, we're going to try the same thing. And we're going to say it's from something original in the in the uh, Vegas lore. And no, it sucks. It's so boring. It's so bland that the V, I don't even under, like I, I get Vegas sure for the V. But like there's no there's nothing that says like Vegas, right? If it was the V inside of the night in the in the original golden knights logo i would understand it a little bit more but it's not it's not even that so i don't love it but the it, it is kraken weird looking one, the, the kraken, kraken one they nailed it nailed it yeah the i'll say this about the the vegas golden knights and i don't know how to make it not sound like i'm being a weird traditionalist and boomer get off my lawn kind of shit how many fucking jerseys do they have they've been a team for five seasons well that, they, that i think is like they should have went down to like 
what was the IHL team or what was like some other thing going on and yeah. incorporate that. And because there were some really cool jerseys back in the 90s. Again, as well, we we're discussing the start, I don't know what you're, you're just like. You're making up new things for this team without pull, you're not pulling from anything. There's hockey history there. It's not like it's just started, in, though. They got roped into two reverse retro jerseys. So automatically they had an additional two. Um, And then they created the alternate gold jersey because the originals were gray and white, which everybody loved, but the gold are pretty cool too. Um, So the, the, obviously the home and the away makes sense. I think the alternate makes perfect sense too. Like you're Vegas, you should have some gold jerseys. Um, but then they got roped into the reverse retros, which every, every team did. Right. So, and the red Jersey was, it was okay. Um, the, I, I loved the, and I don't, I don't traditionally love jerseys that have uh, diagonal letters, but I loved their diagonal lettered glow in the dark Vegas Jersey. I thought that was beautiful um, as a whole uniform, but these, these, I, I don't. And, and look, you're, Obviously, you're going in the Winter Classic. You're going to get a New Jersey. I don't love these. These are awful. <laughs> yeah, there's the Las Vegas Thunder. I couldn't remember their name. Um, there's a way to incorporate what they did then and the, the new stuff. I don't know what it is. I'm not a graphic designer. It's not my job. There's a way to incorporate these these things together. Because this is again, you're 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 trying too hard. Maybe if this was just like, hey, we we've done a couple of these now, we're running out of ideas. Okay, I understand. But you've kind of done an okay job with all of them at this point. It's like it's just not anything special. What I wanted to talk about, and I feel like we've we've definitely we I think people would know, I guess if you've been following along and taking notes or whatever, I, I think people know where we stand on the jersey and if we like it or not. The conversation that I heard um, recently was about whether or not they should do it at all. And it was the current Carolina Hurricanes doing the Hartford Weller jersey. And how the jersey really belongs to the city where it left. And it's cool to see again. They're doing the Coop Rolls this year, uh, which are essentially pants. Um, and we're I'm sure they've updated the technology. I'm pretty sure they were banned because you would just slide across the ice and not be able to stop. Um, and Philly and a couple of teams, I think, and Hartford and a couple of our teams that did it. What do you think about that? Like, because the the um, I think the when the uh, Minnesota Wild did it right, incorporating the color scheme. Yeah. Now, granted, they could do whatever the hell they want because they're in Minnesota. Um. But like the Dallas Stars, they could have done the color scheme if they were really going to go that route. They really didn't need to because they have plenty of jerseys. Um, they could have done the colors. If the Wild didn't exist, they could have done the color scheme with their jersey, and that's the throwback. Yeah. But like Colorado did Quebec. That jersey looked sick, and that's not the argument. The argument is not about whether or not the jerseys are cool. It's should they be doing them. The Devils on the they're good. They're another good example. They took the Kansas City Scouts or Colorado yeah. Rockies. I think it was both one or both. Yeah. Um. And they use their logo and just change the color scheme. It's a nod to their past and their history. I think it's very cool. Hartford. It is just straight up this jersey. 
So I'm cu- I'm curious, like what what are your thoughts on that? It's definitely strange, right? Because we're not talking about, you know, we're we're not talking about the same franchises here. They're different franchises. So I get it. Like it was a relocation, but it's it's not not the same. Right. The Whalers and, and the Hurricanes have nothing to do with each other other than the fact that it, it was just a relocation. Yeah. Other it's, than it's, that. it's like Winnipeg not having their records from the Jets and that technically they belong to the Coyotes because right. that's the franchise that followed them. But it right. would be like the Phoenix Coyotes using the color scheme, which I maybe would look dope, a red, white, and blue. Uh, uh, version of their jerseys or something like that as a nod to like their past but that team in this case it's also weird because the team still exists um or like if it was like the winnipeg jets took instead of that city has a rich history of hockey that goes back decades and they have old jerseys but they went the route of the atlanta thrashers instead (laughs) like how weird that would be no you have a lot of options here yeah so it's how all of this works, and again, I'm not trying to. This is not a get off my lawn moment because the jerseys are cool, and ultimately, that's I think that's what it's about. It is weird. I think I, I, I that's maybe where I sit. Is it's a little weird that they're just almost mocking these other cities. Like, hey, you don't have a team anymore. We're gonna use your jersey, um, and it's to sell them. It's a business. Like, fine. Um, I just thought that was interesting. It wasn't in our notes. But we got on the, the the subject of jerseys, and um, I figured it was it was worth. There there is another about. cool jersey out there right now, in the NCAA, the Carolina Tar Heels. Have you seen it? You're muted, bud. Sorry, I muted myself because my I, um, my fireplace is on and it makes a little rattle noise with the fan. <laughs> so I'm trying to it, and I went back to my old mic and it's picking it up and. And and all of that. So, uh, yeah, we haven't done that. Is it so? It's it's a D one hockey team. Yeah, and they took the Hurricanes um, warning flag symbols on the bottom of the jersey and like kind of wrapped it around theirs, but like in their colors. It's it's a really cool jersey if you could find it. I was just looking for it, but it wasn't it wasn't popping up. Um, their jerseys are cool anyway. The Tar Heels, yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, cool. the the all white is a. Little much for me, but the 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 I mean, it's like Maine. It's the same color scheme. It's the same as if anyone listening uh, played PAL, uh, Suffolk PAL hockey. It's the, the very similar color scheme to that. I I like wearing those colors. It was very different for me. Um, I can't find them here, but I, I I'll definitely look um, after the show. But are we ready to talk about the Islanders? Yeah, we, I sent them too. By the way, they're in your inbox. They're in my inbox. <laughs> um, oh, you're a, you're a Twitter DMer. That's where you're always like, I sent this to you, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't oh, see, yeah, I don't see this anywhere. Um, but I will look at that right now. Oh, that's cool. okay. That's very cool. That's a yeah, very good I, nod to uh, very much into that. To that. Um, are we ready? We're, we have enough of a distraction. We can talk about the Islanders. Yeah, we went on a fifteen-minute tangent here. We can we can do Islanders. Stuff. That that's great. Um, so I I was I I'm off this week. I'm doing a lot of reading. I'm like I'm looking look through things. So I want to um, 
set the stage for the episode. And I tweeted it out. Maybe you don't care about that. Um, the I want to go through each of these sections and try not to step on our own feet as we move through this. So I want to take each section. Um, this is more for you, James, than anybody else. Um, I want to take each section for what it is and try our best not to bleed into the next thing because this is all purposely built on each each section builds on the next things and i want to make sure that we we kind of keep that section uh that that flow going so the the intro that i had um which i think our jersey intro is much better um but the the intro that i had was that it's probably not a surprise to anybody that the islanders have been just very okay this season um, and that might even be generous, um, given the last 10 games, they're NHL 500 right now, which we know means they've lost more games technically, even if they've gotten a point for them in overtime or a shootout. Um, and the saving grace is that the Metro just has not been that good. Um, especially not as good as it's been the last few years. On top of that, the Atlantic is also not as good. You have some teams kind of, um, still figuring things out and, some teams are coming back down to earth, like the Red Wings, who started out really hot and haven't been. Uh, I believe they're six, eight, and three now. As you're listening to this, um, I forget what the record is. Um, so, wild card spots are also available. Um, so, I thought that I thought that was important to kind of like set the stage of the, the season. And I know this was a, a topic on Twitter earlier today um, about an article that was written and. How, uh, uh, this is Shana Goldman's article that we're gonna we're gonna start with talking about that that said that that, that you know they're twenty percent done with the season so far or or close to it, but they're at risk of losing the season. And I don't think that's wrong. Um, she's ringing the the um, ringing the bell. Uh, it may be a little bit of an overreaction. I don't think anyone wants to really believe that. And there's a lot of hockey left. Eighty two games or a lot there's still plenty of hockey to be played but the position they've put themselves in is one that they have a lot of catching up to do so that's setting the stage um did you have a chance to read this this article just bits and pieces just bits and pieces so i i have a I just really just a couple of quotes that i want us to from from the article again uh, you could disagree with some of the parts of it I, I guess whatever but um the facts that she lays out are obviously the truth and is what's happening, the reality, not the truth. So I, I just some something to kind of talk about. And I think it builds on our episode last week about the Islanders' identity and where they are and, and what's kind of happening and what needs to change. Um, I read a couple of articles today, and it just it, it helped me kind of figure out what the problems ultimately were. I don't know how to fix them. I'm not an NHL coach, but at least where we can kind of get started. So um, Shana Goldman, like I said, wrote a great piece for The Athletic. Um, we have some information here. Um, and some of it was how they're losing games. And I'll, and I'll uh, add one extra thing here. Um, Stephen Rosner, Hockey News, um, NHL.com. He also laid out uh, something that I thought was really important. Um, so the, the main thing from Shana's article was managing the lead. And how the honors simply have not been able to do that they've been a team that usually starts slow and comes back they were the comeback kids early last season um this season she wrote in all situations the islanders lead about 37.7 percent of the time which ranks ninth in the league and the only team that trails and the 
And the team only trails 20% of the time. Only the New York Rangers and Boston Bruins spend less of their time facing a deficit. And then she goes on to, to discuss how the team is very porous defensively, their bottom five team in both shots and scoring chances against, um, and give up give up about 62% of their goals um, with, with the lead. Um, 11 goals for and 24 against in third periods this season, so far this season, 30th in the league. I want to talk about that. That's kind of a lot of information, but I do want to talk about that. What can change for the Islanders? Like, where does it start? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a players staying focused thing? Um, how, what, what do they, what do they do here? Again, I don't want to talk about Lambert leaving, whatever, whatever news may or may not have uh, broken the next few days, but what do they do here? Is like where where does it start? How do they start fixing this problem? Well, you know the the thing is, and, and I think we might have touched on this last week. I, I think Staple said it best. You can't hire a new coach right now if you're going to let Lambert go. Yeah, and we we that's a, I want to get to some of that later because we didn't. I don't think we really went over this. I think the Staple article came out right after. But yes, I just. If you want to quickly glance over that, that's fine. So, like, that that person's just going to inherit the same problems that Lambert has now. You have to really, you know, if your ownership, take a look at this team and say, is this salvageable? And is Lamorello the right guy to do that? Because clearly, and and you know, Shane has said it a couple times in this, uh, in in this article that his methods are antiqued. Well, that so she she pumped out on this content. Um, the the information I was talking about was from something else, and then she wrote and released not very long ago, earlier tonight on um, on Tuesday as we record this, another piece, another full length piece just on the Islanders and Lamarillo. So both articles very good. Go go check them out. At least you know it gives you some context and some third party perspective um, outside of the people that normally write about the team and read it all. I think it's I think it's worth trying to find the slivers of of truth but continue yeah so i mean just my, my point is how do you how do you fix this it, it starts from you know it starts from ownership they have to take a hard look in the mirror and say did we make the right choice continually you know putting our faith in in lamorello is there is this time for maybe maybe a divorce and, and i know you know the conversation has been heavily pointed to lane lambert but you know, again, this year is already 20% gone, like you mentioned earlier. You know, how much recovery are you going to be able to make? We're talking potentially, if they can make a comeback, a St. Louis Blues 2019 type comeback here. It's going to be tough, you know? So they have to seriously take the, I think, the rest of this season to evaluate what they have, what's salvageable, and, and how to move forward best next. Because if you're not careful, you're going to end up in Sharks territory where you don't have prospects in the system. You're awful. And it's going to be that way for a really long time. Yeah, I I, I think the Sharks comparison is interesting or or a kind of a team like the Penguins um, where, again, they don't they really don't have a lot of um, 
the future after the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era is going to be difficult. Dubas has a really tough job in Pittsburgh moving forward. And the Sharks are probably worse, right? Because they had a lot of veterans for a real long time and they really milked them and, and went on really long runs. Um, and it just didn't work out. And the Islanders are kind of, they don't have the longevity that the, the Sharks had where they were making it really far in the playoffs all, uh, for a very long time. But they did have a few years of it. And now they're really far removed. I know we, I know last episode we discussed that it was the sample size isn't just 20% of the season. It really goes to last season too. Slightly different problems, but problems nonetheless about if they, they were letting in goals earlier. Now they're letting in goals late. They're letting in goals. The defense is too porous. Um, and the season before that, I, I know I was when I was writing this today, they missed the playoffs. And that was with Trots. Now the article the it was the first season at UBS and it was travel and it was this excuse and it was that excuse. But now looking back, knowing what we know now, I don't know that you can blame a, a lot of that stuff. I think it's a lot of the the same mistakes and this and maybe, you know, maybe Lambert is trying to teach this use the same philosophy and it just got stale like you you needed more as we discussed when Lambert got hired you needed more of a change behind the bench than they got so you have Lambert maybe trying to hammer the same stuff home he can't do it as effectively and the players aren't responding and 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 that ultimately you have a team that can really play for for 40 minutes and they, they, I think what's really frustrating about, uh, you know, managing the lead, essentially, the, the title of this segment is it, it just takes a little more focus. Like, it just takes being able to lock it down defensively again. And there's something missing there. Either the players don't understand something or the coach isn't stressing it enough. So I don't really know what, where, where things kind of go from here. The other thing. Um, and this doesn't help. So this is like in combination of just um, in general, they can't hold the lead. The penalty kill is last in the league or second to last in the league. Um, there, it's at 69.5% kill rate, 31st through 17 games. What are you seeing? Because I, I think we've talked about their penalty kill before and, and some of the issues. What are you seeing from their penalty kill that are are kind of some of the problems here? Because it's they're not disciplined, and I think that's a leadership thing and trying to figure out how to just I don't know play with a little more energy, but be able to to rein it in when you need to stick in fractions and all you know all sorts of different things. But what are you seeing on the penalty kill that's that needs to change? I have a couple well, things. Yeah, I think I think you just said it pretty well just there though. Like they're they're lacking energy. And I think that's because this team is playing like way too reserved. They're afraid to to open it up a little bit and 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 be that aggressive, you know, obviously not forechecking on, on the penalty kill, but they're they're afraid to be that that in your face, you know, consistent pressure, grindy down team they used to be. They're they're more collapsed and and uh hesitant and you know none of their decisions are are crisp or authoritative and it's it's abundantly obvious it's it's almost like and i think we we touched on this in a previous episode it's almost like they don't understand what their system is I, i they don't really know the style of hockey that they're supposed to be playing 
and it's bleeding into the penalty kill. And the penalty kill is just atrocious. Are we supposed to stay in the in the in the box? Are we supposed to, you know, uh, um, play, you know, try to play some sort of man and leave the uh, the the fifth guy behind the net? It's just it's really it it's tough to watch. It's it's a certainly a tough scene because we're talking about a team that mostly made up of the same parts, at least on the penalty kill, was like one of the best penalty kills in the NHL not too long ago. Yeah, and, so. and it switched, right? It was from the power play that was really bad and now is, I don't want to say really good, but so much better, really good compared to where it was. And now their penalty kill is shit. And it was, you know, so they've, they've flipped special teams. I think it's their overall defensive structure that just isn't translating to the penalty kill. And I don't know if it's the it's the assistant coach. Is it, is it Hula? I can't remember the guy's first name. Um, whoever the assistant coach is that uh, presumably uh, on um, Huda. Huda. Um, in charge of the penalty kill, it's it's just not working. Um, Rosner did have some good notes uh, on this. That on top of what my I think my main my main thought is is that they I don't think they use the box. They use like a one, 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 two situation, and it gives teams a lot of room up top and a lot of time when they're able to move that puck across in um, those seam passes across players, and you know from one side of the ice to the other, they just have so much time because you're trying to outskate the puck. And we've talked; I think we even said this last week. Sorry that we're repeating ourselves. You can't outskate a pass. I remember coaches telling me that. And the Islanders on the penalty kill are trying to do that. They're they're trying to outskate a pass. And it just doesn't work. You see Clutterbuck or Sezikis or whomever running hinge hinging on the top and running back and forth across the entire width of the ice. And they're ne- they're you're never going to get there in time. You're simply never going to get to that puck in time and put the necessary pressure on. So in addition to the, the I think the overall structure the, the breakdowns, as, as as Rosner pointed out, is they can't clear the puck effectively, which I've definitely seen plenty of times. They're being lazy with clears. Puck is not high and hard off the glass. All the very basic things that everyone's heard that's that's played the game. Um, or that if, even if you just watched it for a very long time, um, b- these are basic concepts that the Islanders just aren't doing. Um, they're not taking the space that they have to be, you know, Pelic used to be really good at this and be able to just step out from behind the net and not just throw it blindly up the boards as hard as you could, but actually finding the seam and throwing it up the ice. They're not able to clear the puck. They're they're flubbing passes um, to the point where it's not a mistake. It's not a stick breaking. It's not a this where it's like, all right, it's a lot of bad luck. It's, it's a, a little bit more than that. Um, they're not making changes. Um, they're not making positional changes based on where the puck is. Too often, they're worried about their position instead of how to adapt when the puck moves. So they're worried about being in a specific place rather than, okay, they're changing. It's like when you see um, in a football game when the offense makes a change and the defense adjusts. The 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 Islanders defense just isn't adjusting to whatever the power play structure is. They're going out there with one thing in mind. And every team has a, a slightly different structure and they're just not able to adapt. And I think that's on the coaching, doing your homework. How do they set up their other teams? How do they set their power plays up? How do you make those little tweaks? And how do you do that in practice and or in tape or whatever 
so that your penalty killers know where they need to be on the ice and how to continually adjust throughout the penalty kill. Um, I think, as you said, they're they're not physical enough. I, I definitely agree with that. They're they're not getting that's in front of their own net. They're letting those seam passes across, um, and then the players wide open. They're getting they have backdoor passes or whatever, especially in front of their own net. They're not nearly as physical. And that was something that Scott Mayfield was great at. I mean, he, for the most part, still is. It's just not. It's not happening on the penalty kill. I don't know that he, maybe he's not out there. I imagine it's not going to be um, Aho and Dobson on the penalty kill. So I imagine it's the four guys, uh, Pelik, Pulak, uh, Romanov, and and Mayfield. Um, you know, n- mostly really tough players. Pulak might be the one that's the least tough out of all of them, surprisingly. And he's not a small guy. And it's not a knock against him. It's just the other ones are, are I think, much much tougher. It's just not trans. Like they're just not doing it on the penalty kill, and really they're not doing it five on five. They don't have that energy. That not not, not the hate. There's just not that that desire. That that hunger. They're 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 missing something again. I, that was part of their the conversation last week about their identity. I thought I thought they. It's just really I think affecting their penalty kill as well. Yeah. No, I I agree and. You know, again, it's just not a it's not an identity that we're used to seeing with this team at, at all. I don't even think there is one. And and that's what we said last. That's yeah, what we, we said, said last, that last week. But the, the, the point is more that, yes, there isn't an identity, but we're, we're so used to their identity being so grinding and in your face and forechecking that this is like shocking to see, you know, not not a step back, but like a, a jump backwards in, in whatever is going on here. Yeah, it's like they they had in in other years and other iterations of this team over the last ten years. They they that was the one thread that energy that tenacity carried through, no matter who was on the team. And it's changed dramatically over ten years. But that that tenacity just isn't there anymore. Not and not in this iteration of the team. Even Sezikis is slightly less noticeable in this respect. And that you know the years have kind of caught up to him a little bit. It's, to be expected. Um, I just don't know how they get that identity back or figure out what the new one is. Like it's, it's, it's as if they, they changed their style, but didn't own it a hundred percent. Like they're, they're, they're hesitating on being who they, this new version of themselves. And they're kind of like half assing it because they're, they're a little unsure. They're hesitating. And I think even Dobson said that. In a, in a lot of instances, that they're just hesitating, um, and they they need to be more comfortable. They they need they need some confidence. Um, they they really need to go out and and this week against the uh, the Flyers, beat them twice. Um, that changes their fortunes. That the you know the Flyers are ahead of them in the standings. It's four points. They're still really close. Um, I think those are who knew that these games would be really really important. Um, but here we are, and it's early in the season. Um, and they have to play like it's March. They they seem to figure it out, and 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 like at the end of last season, for a change, they they were really good. They really need to act like the end of the year is um, the, the trade deadline or something, because it, it just yeah. like you said earlier, it just can't go on much longer. Yeah, I mean that's the thing though. Like you're you're right. Like <laughs> it's it's 
crazy to say that they've lost how many in a row and and they're not out of it. So, um, it's it's if there was ever a year for the Metropolitan to just be wide open, as it is, uh, I guess this was the year for them. Uh, because I mean, look, Washington's up there with two games in hand and three points ahead. Philadelphia, <laughs> I don't understand how Philadelphia is up there, but they are. Um, I guess they're just playing hard for for torts, but. You know they have uh, the Islanders have a game in hand on the Flyers, so it, it's interesting. Like you, and you tend to think too, some of these teams are going to regress to the mean. Like de- the Devils are going to get better, I think. Um, Pittsburgh's in a bit of a slump here. I wonder if they're going to get better. Um, I tend to believe that the Capitals and the Flyers aren't going to stay this good. So you know maybe things are going to normalize. Uh, but you know that puts the Islanders in a situation where they're competing with the Lightning in a wild card spot, or the you know the the Sabres who are trying to make a, a, a jump this year, you know, so they're, they're in a predicament where they don't have that much time to sit here and, and evaluate. If they want to make the playoffs, they need to strike soon. If they want to figure out what their future looks like, then sure. Mess around or, or as the kids say, F around and find out, but I don't know, man, it's just, it doesn't, doesn't look great. From this vantage point right now bet the action on the ice with DraftKings sportsbook download the app now and use code thpn new customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just five dollars on hockey that's code thpn only on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl the crown is yours bonus bets expire 186 hours after issuance gambling problem Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. The holidays are the most chaotic time of the year. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? Especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. Raycon's wireless earbuds are some of the best bang for your buck earbuds you can get on the market right now. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space, with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features, like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And in this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon Power Tech. Their 5-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices 8 times faster with 
100 watt power delivery. Raycon is known for delivering high quality audio and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five stars reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with the select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. So I think that from from there, I I wanted I titled this segment "Now What." So that I think that information that discussion helps inform us for the next kind of part of the episode, um, and this will be aided a little bit by Arthur Staples' article that came out, of course, the day after we released our episode last week, um, kind of guiding us through this part of the conversation and what the Islanders should and and shouldn't do. And you kind of alluded to some of that conversation. And I think this might take a little while. Or maybe we've talked about it a lot, so who knows. Um, I'll go through the 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 two, um, just what they, what, what Staple said they should do. Um, he said, bench the captain. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, he certainly hasn't played well. Um, even in a uh, a decreased role, right? Because we we've always said less is more with him. Um, but I I don't know, I don't necessarily disagree. But at the same time, I wonder if it's just the inconsistencies here up and down the lineup. Who's playing with Horvat and Barzell? And you know, okay, now you're playing back with Pajot, and you know you're putting him in in all these different situations, right? You're you're an offensive player. Oh nope, now you're moving down to a, a defensive four checking line the majority of your starts are going to happen on the fly or in the defensive zone nope now you're back up and now you're starting all in, in the offensive zone again with, with Horvat and Barzell and it's just you know I, I think that's that's too much inconsistency in a player's game to continue to succeed now granted I get it his price tag is is certainly uh an issue versus how, how much he's producing I get that Maybe, you know, and, and sometimes I, I do understand, like, look, you're not producing. You need a night off. Go go take a rest. Watch from above. Study the game and, and let's come back next game and, and reevaluate, you know, yourself and see where you're at. I, I believe in that. So if they need to give him a night off, sure, go for it. But give the guy some consistency. What's his role? Tell him just because he's the captain doesn't mean he doesn't need a bit a little bit of leadership, too. So somebody needs to let him know what his role is now, because clearly, look, if he's not going to be the 28 to 30 goal scorer he has been, then what is he there to do? I agree. And it, it may come down to that conversation. And I didn't really think about that. He's been moving up and down the lineup. I think that's that's interesting. Um, the way that I read it, um, and, and I think of some of what Staples said, was that it just it also sent a message to the team. Um, and it's it's tough to play without your captain and and see him in the in the press box, but it really just shows that I don't think a trade's going to happen. We're going to talk about Staples' opinion on that. Um, but it, it shows people aren't safe in a different way. 
and that he's that the the coaching staff and the and management are not afraid to do it. There's only so many you could do each night, right? So you're you're kind of safe, but you're really tanking your own career it, when you're when you're playing poorly. And he really he might just need a break uh, or and, and and a reset. A lot of players go through that. It's really not that big of a deal. Um, and they still they you know, Goche's been thrown in there. Fashing's um, been playing on the fourth line. It, it's not like they're not with they're, that they're without these players. Um, they have a little bit of wiggle room to give Lee off one night. I think it's hard to look at the roster without him there, and you don't want anything to go wrong in in a game where he's not playing. Go, yeah, Lee would have been a really great player in the situation. So I, I think it's trying to time when you would even do that, um, and then kind of figure it out from there. Engvall against the Bruins, they could have used a little more speed, but I think the Bruins were just going to be better than them regardless. I don't I don't know that Engvall in and out of the lineup was the difference maker necessarily. It didn't help, but it wasn't a difference maker. So you had to find that moment for Lee um to you know for it to kind of be similar for him as well. Um Staple also said reunite Pelic and Pulak. They need to shut down pair, and right. clearly the the pairs are not working. Right, I, and I, and I think, you know, when when you're lacking any sort of structure, like the Oilers, you know, when the Oilers are, are lacking, what do they do? Throw McDavid and and uh, Drysaddle out on the ice. You know, they'll they'll fix this right. And any other year besides this year, that was true. Um, they need they need to try that, right? Their their defense has been so bad. However, we know that when Pelic and Pollock are together, at least historically, they're one of the best shutdown pairings in the whole league. Now, they've been split for a little while. You know, I don't think they played much together even last season, but the season before they did. Um, so it's worth revisiting because we know what they can do and clearly everything else isn't working. So what's, what's stopping them from trying at least in third periods or you have a lead, you know, like, okay, we're going to shut it down as a team. Pelican pull up, you're back together. Like set the tone for the rest of the team that way. Um, if you're lucky enough to be up after two periods, that's when you make that change. Um, if you get a two-goal lead in the third period, I don't want to say call timeout, but regroup the best that you can. Make that change and make that a, a in-game adjustment, not just for the sake of doing it. That's your strategy. You're gonna have you're gonna put your two best defensemen that play really well together together, and you, you just need to kind of manage the rest the the other four, um, whatever whatever that looks like. Try to figure it out. But it's most important that. For a majority of that third period, you have both of them out there together. It's not enough to have them both out there a lot, um, two-thirds of the third period. You need them out there against the other team's best players. You need you need to be strategic. Even if you're the away team, you need to be strategic. It just seems like everything's very haphazard. Um, I don't know whether or not Lambert is big on line matching in any of that, but putting that pair together, I think, would kind of go a long way. Um, this one I, th- I thought was interesting and I granted it was, um, 
before Walsham, he was kind of like in and out. He's been in and out of the lineup even as of late. Um, Staples said move Walsham to the top line. I thought that was interesting, but I'll get your take first. The thing is, Walsham has actually been playing a little bit better. He's still not, you know, what we anticipated him to be, you know, with talking about, you know, how he was going to be this stalwart coming into the season, right? But he's been playing better. Um, He's got a little bit of that snarl back. Maybe the top line needs that. But we also know that, look, that shot, all all he's got to do is get a puck on net. Put the shooter with the distributor and look at uh, yes Horvat is that guy too but we've also seen he can he can play make a little bit um he he's been one of the 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 best wingers for for the islanders recently so you got to just go with what, what's working right this guy's playing well elevate him if he he, he's just not playing well in his own zone i think that's where he was a, a not the best stat in the world but he's a minus four and then got the shootout winner. Yeah. I'm not I sure think... how you elevate and reward a player like that. Right. Where that... Holmstrom is playing great. I, I don't know yes. that that's the right move necessarily. I'm, I'm going through this right now with the Devils and Alexander Holtz, who's not playing well in his own end, but they elevated him. And, and the thing is, with his specific skill set, his repertoire, you put him around players who can carry the load and his skill sets suddenly begin to emerge and, you know, the guy's scoring. So I think that Horvat and Barzell can carry the load. You don't really need to play much defense when the puck is on the end of your stick. That might be the mentality there. And Wallstrom always got to do is get open in the offensive zone and, and, you know, one of the two of those guys can feed him. I think that's the mentality there. Yeah, I think it's hard when Holmstrom's playing well. If he dips a little bit, I maybe you make that change, but they've tried it this season, right? Wolfsburg's played on that top line. I don't know if I don't know if Wolfsburg's played on that top line. I know Holmstrom has. Right, I'm I'm, I'm Oliver, the last names are getting a No, I know, confusing. I know. Yeah, but I I I feel like he's played up there. Either way, I mean, granted, Holmstrom did not look good uh, to start the season. It's really maybe this, the the last ten games where he's looked better and a lot more confident. Um, the, at least the last few episodes, which you know, over the last few weeks, he's definitely looked much better. Wallstrom's not even been in the lineup consistently, and this is without when when Martin's been sitting. Um. He, he he wasn't necessarily in the lineup. Um, at least one of those games. I know he's he's in two in a row, but yeah, it's I don't I don't know about that. He really he scored that really sick goal earlier this season, and before and after that, it's been crickets. He has two points. He's won one and two in eleven games this season. I. I think putting him in the right situation is really important. I I just wonder if he's going to play up to and the argument that I made to you for two years that if he's going to play in that top line, he's going to be playing against the other team's top defenders and shut down forwards. 
I'm not sure he can handle it. It's a good point. It, it's possible, but at this at this point, I, I guess what, you try it. What are you doing, right? Everything else isn't working either. So yeah, yeah. May, maybe it's Holmstrom and Wallstrom being in the lineup together at all. If home if Holmstrom isn't going to play well in the third line and he's thriving on the first, part of the problem is that. Holmstrom's on the first line. It's like both of those players are fighting for one spot. Yeah. And you really just need to be um, it should be fashing or goche on that third line. And if Martin's not going to be in, that means both of those lower level guys get in. And that's that's fine. I think again, as we said, they're just not owning anything. They're not saying this is our identity and this these are the players that go in certain places. Um, they just keep kind of moving players around a little bit. And I'm sure that's not helping kind of anything, anyone's confidence or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, It's almost as if both of them can't be in the lineup together because they're ultimately fighting for the single spot on the, on the top line. Here's a question for you. Let me check the notes. Make sure you didn't write this down. No. Okay. So, great for talk radio, I know. Um, Patrick Line A. Going through it in Columbus. Healthy scratch. Just talked about how it's the most embarrassing thing he's ever experienced. Now, look, we, we can talk about what is the first move that the Islanders need to make. I don't think there's a commitment to Patrick Line in Columbus. I think that's part of the, um, you know, situation there. Do they just try that? So I'll, I'll before I answer, I'll preface this with Staples says that they should not make a trade. I don't think that means okay. that precludes us from having the conversation. Um, so you, I, I'll, I would say you disagree with that, given what you just said. No, not necessarily. Um, I'm just wondering if you know a, a culture change could work out for both sides. Possibly. Um, I think there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, obviously, that's the type of player. I think that goes without saying. Um, you're not really going to have to sell too many people. He has this year and two more at 8.7, um, which is pretty good. I don't know. I don't think he's an RFA still. Uh, no, he's a UFA at the end of it. Um, so it's not that long term of a commitment. He is still only 25, um, and he'll be. 27, 28 years old at the end of it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's a that's a player that you want. Um, I think it's just a matter of is it the right time? You know, you just got finished saying that the you know the aisles cupboard is 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 bare. Do you for a player like Line A, who has only his numbers have only gone down in the last few years. I think it's really important that to note that. Um, but thinking about his career holistically and what he's capable of, and he didn't just forget how to play hockey. Is that the type of player where you throw that philosophy out of the window that you can't throw away another first round pick and it's, you know, do what you got to do type deal. At this point, it's like, I don't even think his value is a first round pick. He was just healthy scratched in Columbus. You're telling me he can't stay in the lineup in Columbus? 
He's not going to cost a first round pick right now. That's definitely interesting. So I'm looking at um, looking at some stats. Yeah, he's been. I mean, he hasn't scored 30 goals since 1819. He scored 28 in 1920, shortened season. Um, probably on pace for over 30. Scored 26 in 21, 22, 22 last season. He has three points in nine games, dash six in, so far. It's not great. It's not great. Um, okay. What? Remind me, um, if you can remember, what happened with him in Winnipeg to begin with? Well, he just didn't want to be there. He wanted, right. to, uh, he wanted to be somewhere else. You know, he was doing okay there. Um, but I, I think that he kind of got ahead of the – they didn't purge really, but they, they didn't necessarily have a, a – a right like a, a direction with that team that he wanted to be a part of so he just wanted out i i was pretty sure that that was that was it and it's tough it's almost like dubois where and that was the original trade all right now that i'm saying things out loud right it was dubois for line a was it straight up which is insane to me it was straight up one for one for dubois i believe yeah right and they both needed a change of scenery. And then yeah. they both – Dubois already moved on. He's in L.A. And now Line also needs another change. It could be third time's a charm. His third team's a tar- charm, and that's great. Um, while Lamorello is the GM, I wonder how much that stuff following Line around affects – him even looking at a player like that. Right. right. He's looking for players that are really good, but have leadership and it's bit him in the ass a little bit, right? You're, there's only so many Bo Horvat types um, that are even available, remotely available. Um, at least not at this point in the season when teams, everything's still so close. It's, it's hard to know when are you, when are you just going to bail and, and uh, recoup your, your losses or what? So it's not like there's a lot of players like that available until closer to the trade deadline when when things are a little more straightened out. But forget about whatever the trade package would be. And I agree, he's he's not been he's been a 50 point player for the last two seasons in Columbus. Um, he hasn't played more than 60 games in a long, in over three actual seasons um, that he can control anyway. So, you know, he's injured here and there. God, he was a minus. I know this is like a, we're using plus minus. Um, it's not the best stuff. He was a minus 29 in 2020-21 with, with, um, with Columbus. That's terrible. I almost think there's no way um, Lamarillo would even look at it. Unless there's a deal he couldn't refuse, I... I'm not sure he's the guy based on his standards, not because I think so, but I because I, that. yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, what surprised me from Staples article also is that he said, don't make a call up. I think that's a difficult, much like a trade. I think it's a difficult pill to swallow. What do you, what do you think about that? I thought it was an astute, uh, 
observation or, or point that he made in saying like, look, there's clearly struggle happening organizationally, like up and down, you know, no one's really, you know, burning the house down in Bridgeport. Let them develop there. Right. Yes. Is is playing well, but you know, it's not like, okay, this guy needs to be in the NHL right now. Well, so let them continue to develop in, in the minors. Don't bring them up to this mess just to get lost in this sauce. They need to, I think, as Staples said, continue just developing there and be put in a different situation when the time calls for it. Like, okay, now you're playing well and we're having success. We need a body though. Sure. Here's your chance. I don't think right now is that time. I also think in addition to that, the only player that can go through waivers, whether it's waivers exempt, is Holmstrom. And he's playing well. So um, there's no there's almost no move that you can I believe he's the only player. Yeah. And so you're gonna send him you're gonna send him down. Yep. You're you're not true. you're not adding to the roster in that way. I thought that um I can't remember if that was in the staple article or not. But that's what I, that's what I was thinking about afterwards. Was I I agreed just kind of for a different reason or an, for an additional reason that you, you don't really have any moves that you can make, which I think is a Lamorello problem. I think it's interesting that you know you you need a mix of young guys on the team, if only because it allows you to kind of send send the players down. Um, I'm sure if they could send Walsham to Bridgeport to get a, a hard reset and just get some goals under his belt, they would have done it. But they just simply can't do it. So they're they're stuck. They have one guy that they can send down, and they shouldn't. Yeah. On top of the reason that 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 you and, and Stapler are, are discussing, that let them do their thing, let them marinate. You don't need them to get thrown into this mess. And have that kind of pressure. Let them continue to do their thing. I know they're not playing it extremely well as a, as a team, but you can have some good individual efforts, and that's that's definitely worth it. Um, yeah. The the last shouldn't here, and the, and then we're, we're close to wrapping up here. Was um, he shouldn't bring in a long term coach, and it's difficult, but I think there's an answer. Um, yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on that? You you no, touched on it a little bit before as well. Again, and it's, it's funny. I was actually talking to him about this. He was uh, he was at the Prudential Center the other day, and yeah, he brought up some really good points. You know, like what what are you going to hire somebody new and just have them inherit this problem? It's like I said earlier. Like the organization needs to take a hard look at the 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 bones of this team right now. What can they pick apart? What can they put back together? And how can they do that the right way? Just because, again, you're not escaping these contracts. Sorokin, eight years. Barzell, eight years. Horvat, eight years. Like, all these long-term contracts you're not escaping. It's it's really not that many at this point, though. I mean, yes, there's a there's a few. But, like, Nelson's running out soon. Lee's running out soon. Um, even Pelican Pulak. I think they're here for a little while longer, but Pelican not like, Pulak like two six years. six and seven years left. Left? Yes, I thought they signed those deals longer ago than no, no, maybe no. I they remember. Signed, they signed years early. That's the that's the thing. So 
they still have six and seven years left. Maybe that's including this season, but I mean, even still, that's okay. That's I mean, yeah. five plus years with a lot of players is something, right? So you don't have the the prospect pool to rebuild. You don't have any any. You know what, what? What? Sorry. Well, what you do have on the roster isn't working. So you're in you're in a tough situation right now where you don't have the flexibility to make these these moves right now. Here, here's the thing, right? If they hire a coach this year that is permanent, what happens when they have the same the same outcome? Whose fault is it? Are you firing the coach again? Right, so it's like why why hire a coach, bring in an interim, evaluate what you got, and and, and move forward. Because look, if you look up and down your roster and you evaluate, like, look, maybe maybe it's time to to change things. I mean, look, you can uh, you can elevate a rebuild. We saw it happen with the other New York team, right? They did this with Artemi Panarin signed. They did this with Mika Zibanejad there. Chris Kreider was still a member of the team. They literally put a letter out that said, we're going to do some things that are going to make you uncomfortable. And they did it. And now here they are in first place in the Metropolitan. They were in the playoffs last year, obviously first round loss, came back with a vengeance, got lucky along the way a little bit. Although those draft picks, are they working out? Jury's still out on Kako and, and Lafreniere, but Fact of the matter is that they made some calculated moves, right? Traded Ryan McDonough. That was a bit of a shock, but they did it. Stefan Lundqvist is gone. Like huge franchise players that were there for a long, long time. So I look at this team and I say, do they have as many pieces that could be helpful as part of a, a, a an accelerated rebuild? And if you want to call it a retool, whatever. Look, are you going to like it? No, but Brock Nelson's going to net you certainly some sort of a return for an interested team. He's on a team-friendly contract. I think he's got two, what is it, two years left after this season at six million bucks, and the cap's going up. So you're talking about a you know almost like a three million dollar deal in. in the new salary cap when it, when it goes up and he could score you 30 goals. So go get a, you know, go get a top end prospect with that guy and start rebuilding. Yeah. I think what's, what's really frustrating about having this conversation is that the team is going to contradict myself a little bit. The team is good, but for two thirds of the game, like the, what they actually need to fix is, I don't think it's the offense. I really think it's they got to try to find something on on D. They have to – there's something missing there. I think Sorokin is not playing um, like a robot in a good way where he's unstoppable. Um, and so he's playing humanly, and they're not used to that. He's not bailing them out of games. And the defense in front of him is not good. So they need they they're not. That's where I would concentrate it. I think the forward group, for its even for its faults, are actually not that bad. 
Like well, they're no, figuring, they're scoring goals, game. and they're getting. They're just, they can't protect the lead as a team. And that's why I'm saying that they can do this the right way by taking that blueprint the Rangers did in however many years ago that was, and trying it themselves. If that's I don't think the route it needs to be. I don't know that it needs to be quite that serious of a change. Like I don't, I don't know that it's even a rebuild on the fly or anything. Like I really think it's just. So what do you a, do? You have to add to your D. I don't think it's adding your offense at this point. They can score who's, goals. Who's the defenseman? I mean that. I mean that's that, the. That's also like we said. We joked last week. This is also not our fucking job. Well, that it's not our job. You're right, but I'm I'm asking you. The, the coach stays. Yes or no. No, I think I think you bring in a guy like Boudreaux, who's only had a losing record with the Canucks in his last season before Boudreaux, getting I think in the CHL. I don't know if that they're gonna let him go. I don't know. What whatever. I think you figured that out. You're the NHL. I don't know. There's gotta be a way to 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 make that happen. Um but he's had one season with a points percentage under 500, and that was his last in Vancouver. Players like him. Um, he's been a good coach throughout his career. Management. Is he the new head coach, or is he interim? Interim. And then you see what happens. They, you know, kind of do what they did with weight. Okay. And they so- just play out of their mind. Maybe you consider it. But at least you do it now, and that there's a I think there's a philosophical problem with the team. Yes, you need to add a defenseman too. I think the first thing is we've seen this team play like kind of good. This is just a, again it's a reversal from last season, so it's not the players just just the decor. It's not necessarily the players. There's something else happening. It's like the, it's like the penalty kill. All of a sudden, it's bad. The power play, I understand being good. You added a you added a whole player that's that's great, and it spread out the um, the two units a little bit better. Of course, that's going to get better. The penalty kill, I don't I, I don't understand. I'm not sure. It's a lot of the same players. Something else is happening, and I think it's adding a defenseman, but I think it's I think it's the coaching. So as you. Well. If you're Lamorello, you're switching the coach to an interim coach and going out and getting a defenseman. Something. I don't even know what kind of defenseman. I you, you and I have talked about a two-way. Um, I think it's a shutdown guy so that you can keep Pelican and Pulak together or keep them separate or whatever the hell you want to do and go from there. I I, I think it's got it's it's got to be some kind of shutdown. I know Zadorov's name's been thrown around. Um, I don't know about the in any connection to Calgary. I don't remember that they've made a move. Uh, the honors and, and the Flames have made moves together in in some time or if if ever. Um, other than it was Hamannik, but that was you know a, a, feels like a generation ago. So I'm not sure who, but it, there, something needs to change. Whatever the makeup of the defense core is currently isn't working. 
you keep, obviously you keep Dobson around. I think the odd man out is Aho. Yeah, that to me isn't working. The next one after that is going to be Romanov. Mayfield's here too long, but Romanov might be the seventh guy soon or or something. He's the next one on the list. Your Pelican Bullock are not going anywhere. Mayfield's not going anywhere. Dobbs not going anywhere. So you're you're looking at two of the guys. I think you you change out Aho before anything, just to give you a different look, at the very least. And it's no one internally. Sallow's not going to give you that different look. Um, Grant Hutton, I, I guess. Paul Adu, maybe. But like that's your don't make a call up. I think I agree with Staple there. Let them do their thing. Um, use you know break glass in case of emergency type deal. I don't know. You try to figure something out. Those those two players is are are circled for me. As I don't know about the problems, but maybe they're the um, the scapegoat. It's just not working. So you have to do something. That's just the nature of building a team it's it's not working i can't do anything with four of them you know you don't have to and between the two of them it's it's uh you don't have to be faster than the bear just not your slowest friend when you're running away you know what i mean uh in their case it's just don't be the worst of the two and and kind of see what happens and and who who will get regular playing time i don't know who the answer is though on the outside yeah, I uh, totally understand. I, I, I get it. Um, I, I left room here for any kind of Lambert news, but that didn't materialize. Um, despite well, the news was that he was on the ice this morning, which was I gotta be right. honest, shocking to me. I wonder if that if tomorrow's game or you know Wednesday's game is the last straw, and kind of like can you win two in a row? Can you figure it out after time off and practices and all this? Can you, can you, are you capable of, of writing this ship? And then if not, maybe it happens after th- right after Thanksgiving because they play just Saturday, right? Wednesday, Saturday. Um, hold on. I have the schedule right here. Wednesday, Friday. Saturday. Wednesday, Friday. That's tough. I don't know. Um, do they play back to back? Do they play Saturday as well? Friday against the Senators, Saturday against the Flyers again. Yeah, I mean, God, on Sunday, they, sh- they should have won three in a row, if I'm being completely honest. There's no reason they can't win three in a row there. Um, I don't, he can't make it to December if they're playing this poorly. They can easily turn this around. There's so much time left. But he can't make it into December if they if they keep losing games. They can't win two or three more games the rest of the month. They like they have to go on a, almost a little bit of a run here for me for for as far as I see it for him to save his job. Yeah, no, I agree. It's um, God, it's so frustrating to watch this team. It's <laughs> I mean they're losing in a different way. It, it just reminds me of the run and gun weight era Islanders. Um, again, losing in different ways than than at that point, but just like you, you just see so much potential. Like they're clearly doing something right, and how they you know they used to do something and all and 
what happened? We joked they didn't forget how to play hockey, but God damn it, it looks like it. Especially the whole like the whole team in their own zone. I don't understand what's happening. It's incredibly maddening. Yeah. Um it's, it's not great. No, a, a big chant, big game on Wednesday, I think. I know it's November. Um but they can they can really kind of change their their fortunes here a little bit. Um and then it's uh you know, three games in in four nights. They can walk around, they can walk away with uh, with six points. It, that's that's a really big deal. I think everyone changes their tune a little bit. Um, yeah. And not just to kick the can down the road, but you got to know what you have. I think if you're going to make a move and any of this stuff, if you actually are going to make a trade for a defenseman, you got to know where everyone is, even at their best. You know what they are at their worst. But you, you got who's who's actually stepping up. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is. It's Romanov not stepping up, and Aho uh, is all of a sudden for some reason. Um, you got to find out who's being who can be consistent or not, or who can raise their trade value or any of that stuff. Right now, they, they, they I don't know who on the roster even has value. So it's it's hard to make any move when you you know you don't want to trade another first round pick away again. In theory, your prospects who you have left, I don't know that you want to trade. You're in a tough spot. So the players on the roster have to raise their trade value if the Islanders even want to do anything. So the Islanders playing better to end the month does not mean that they a trade won't happen. Correct. It it could mean the opposite. That they've either earned the trade or there there's actually value. People are seeing value in that in a player and they can actually make a move. And figure it out from there. Yes, we'll see. Yeah, we we always we always end the episode saying we hope for better news next week. But yeah, yeah. this uh, this season of the show has has been uh, cross your fingers and hopefully next episode is a, a little more happy go lucky. But yeah, as as of late, it's been it's been a lot of the same. And you know, I'm trying my best to bring different perspectives in so that we can discuss it because there's only so many times and be like they're not focused and they suck. Right. I'm not, I'm not really sure where, you know, there's not a lot you can say. So bringing in some of these these other pieces, I think, is is helpful for us to kind of break it down a little bit, even if they go against the grain of what, you know, what we think. Um, but we'll check in next week after a few games and we'll see where everything lands. Any closing thoughts here? No, just, you know, you you, you were right, you know, the, this weekend by, by Sunday, they could have won three games. I mean, look, Philly is hot right now. Two out of three of those aren't going to be easy matchups, but they, they certainly are winnable because, again, I know that the Flyers are playing well, but they're not they're not this juggernaut. They're, they're just a team rallying behind a, a coach. Who's out of his mind. Who's out of his mind. <laughs> so. Um... All right. Well, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, YouTube at Nassman Hockey. You can find James Burke at New Jersey Hockey Now and the fourth period. James, bring us home. Bring us some luck here. Yeah. Until next time. Good luck, guys. Like, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs>